To listen to Memory Card episodes early and ad-free, consider supporting the show via Patreon at patreon.com memcard. Hey, video game fans. I'm Ben Bertoli. And I'm Push Dustin. What should I say? <laughs> I should... Do it. Do it now, Jamata. And I'm Jamata. And this is Memory Card Season 6. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to the sixth season of Memory Card, the very first episode. We have a special treat for you. Um, actually, we have a lot of special treats for you today because this is our uh, sequel episode to the one we did a while back about, like, junk food brands being featured in video games. And also, all the way from Australia, we have Jamatar on board, as you probably know since he just said his name. Thanks for having me. Jam, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good. How are you guys going? Doing pretty well. <laughs> this, this is awkward because we've never had three people. No one knows when to talk. Well, it's also <laughs> awkward because like your, your picture is Donkey Kong, so I can't tell if you're about to talk or not. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to like speak over you. We're doing this on Discord, uh, and everyone has their video up except for me. I just have a picture of Donkey Kong sitting there for those who, uh, who obviously can't see because it's a podcast. but. Jam, we're doing all right. We're, we're hanging in there. You know, what with it, the, the pandemic's still going, at least uh, by the time this gets out into the world in the fall of 2021, hopefully things will be a little bit better. Yeah, I hope so too. What have you been up to, Jam? What, do you, what have you been doing? Or what, do you, what have you been playing? I've been playing Half-Life Alex, which is my new favorite thing, and I just finished it, and it's, now I'm like sad because it's over, you know, and <laughs> I realize that <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's nothing else, there's no other VR thing that can match Half-Life Alex, <laughs> and everyone says, you know, don't fill, finish Alex too quickly because <laughs> there's just nothing. Isn't it a pretty short game? Uh, it's not, it's actually, I reckon I was playing it for about three weeks, four weeks, maybe a month, yeah. Straight? Wow, that's intense. Yeah. It's a, I was also playing it really slowly because it's, it's like super scary and I'm just sneaking through every little bit and trying to find all the items as well. I just imagine you like reaching really slowly towards like guns and ammo, like uh, gotta make this last. Yeah. And what I'm actually doing is I'm reaching under the couch to grab something or I like hit the dog in the face as I go <laughs> to grab an ammo, piece of ammo that's in a shelf or something. Yeah. What about you, Push? What have you been playing? Uh, so... Like, we're recording this, uh, like, June 12th. So lately I've been playing uh, Astalon Tears of the Earth, uh, which is a game published by Dongan, mm -hmm. and I think uh, developed by Lab Labworks. It's a roguelike, uh, Metrovania type of uh, dungeon crawler game. It's very, very difficult, but uh, very fun and very rewarding. Huh. I'll have to give that one a shot. I actually just, uh, because I uh, noticed it was on Game Pass, I started playing Dragon Quest... 11 i've never played a dragon quest mm. game before at least beyond like the first you know half hour and uh yeah it's all right i can see why people love the series it's got a lot of charm but there's a lot of cutscenes, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of uh things that seem kind of unnecessary but i think it kind of uh harkens back to classic jrpgs so some of the mechanics seem kind of silly to me but i do love me some slimes jumping all over they're very cute and uh, Bethany keeps pointing things out because she played Dragon Quest uh, Builders. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, yeah. she, she like knows all the jingles and she knows all the enemies and stuff because apparently they all show up in that <laughs> game as well. Yeah, Dragon Quest Builders is, is a really great game. Definitely recommend it. I've never played any of them before. It's like basically Minecraft, but on steroids. And so it's like a, it's a better single player experience. It's a better multiplayer experience. You have like way more options to build things and way more uh, flexibility. Sounds good. I like JRPGs. I've been playing Persona 5 as well, but I'm like so bored of it. I'm on my second playthrough, and I've just played it too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not usually the genre that I shoot for, but every now and then I find one that I really enjoy. All right, but enough about that. We need to talk about snacks. Let's get this uh, episode rolling. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, as I mentioned before, we are going to do part two of our branded video games. Uh, each of us has researched two games that we 
thought was a good fit for this episode that had some kind of branding in it. And uh, since Jam wasn't here last time, I thought it would be appropriate to ask him what his favorite snack and drink are or were, I guess, if he's not uh, big into snacking at the moment. Uh, I'm still snacking. Yep. <laughs> Never stopped. <laughs> uh, definitely, uh, probably chili kettle chips. Whoa. I like my favorite. I- I'll eat like a whole bag in, in no time. No time. Is there, is there a brand that you really enjoy? There's one in Australia called kettle chips and the chili one is just the best. Once they, they changed the formula once and everyone hated it. And then they went back and it's, it's very good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> were you, were you one of the people who publicly complained? I, I, I've written a few emails to snack people because Australia always just gets like the imports. So we had, we had Dr. Pepper. That's my favorite drink. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they imported that into Australia for a little while and everyone hated it. Like everyone, except for me, I, it's my favorite drink. And then it just disappeared. And it's been so hard to find Dr. Pepper. If I see a store that's selling Dr. Pepper, I will buy like all of it. Wow. I, I didn't know that. For some reason, I thought Dr. Pepper was like worldwide, easy to find. I wish. All I right, wish well, was. now I know what to send you in like, a, you know, a package <laughs> if I ever can. All right. Well, I guess I will uh, kick things off here. My first uh, game is, is one that could probably honestly take up a whole episode. So I'm going to try to cut it down just a little bit and make sure that I... Um, I'm not going overboard here, and that is Chex Quest. Do they have a Chex cereal in Australia? No, they don't. And it's only really recently that I found out what it is. I still don't know exactly what it is. I've just seen it in the import stores. You know, they have like a couple of stores in the city that sell American snacks. And you'll laugh because it's probably the most mundane stuff ever, but it's like, wow, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) Sugar breakfast. Yeah, Chex cereal is kind of bland, to be honest, like compared to a lot of now. Chex mix is is like the snack version of that. Is that savory or sweet? So Chex cereal is kind of sweet. You're supposed to put sugar on it. Chex mix is savory. Right. It's kind of got like a garlic yeah, garlic right, right. kick to it. But then push, they don't really do cereal in Japan, do they? No, like you can only find like you usually find cereal in the uh, dessert oh. or like snack aisle. Mm hmm. Because it's just not a typical Japanese breakfast. Like most people here uh, eat toast or eggs, or uh, you can also have like miso soup or, you know, natto if you want it for breakfast. Right. Kellogg's Fruits Granola is my favorite Japanese cereal oh, yeah. that I've managed to find. Mm-hmm. And it's, so, it's like $20 a bottle, a bag, a <laughs> box here. <laughs> Whatever they're selling it in at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. The original Chex uh, breakfast cereal was made in 1937, and it was part of this company called Ralston Purina of St. Louis, and their logo was a checkerboard, and so Chex is a reference to that, and it looked like a little tiny checkerboard. That's what little squares look like, if you've never seen them before. And um, today, I believe it's owned by General Mills. It was like sold like in the 1990s. But um, they had a bunch of different promotional stuff. They had this uh, radio show called Space Patrol, which sounds amazing, that they were um, a sponsor of. There was a like cartoon uh, series of commercials that included the Checksmates, which were like a team of superheroes that also would eat checks to get their powers. But the actual, the big branding thing that I'm here to talk about today, as I mentioned, is Chex Quest, which was a video game have you have either of you heard of Chex quest before i think i heard of it while uh, when we were doing research for the first uh oh right uh, the first brand uh, yeah yeah that's the only that's the first time i heard about it i've heard of it i've never played it so the big thing about Chex quest is that it is a game that is built on top of another game and that game is doom it is actually built on top of the doom engine they actually got the rights to build on top of doom And I guess it was pretty cheap at the time because um, Doom was kind of like passe. Id Software had recently released Quake and they were like, you want the Doom engine? Like, yeah, we don't care. Like, that's old school. We We don't mind if you use that. So this team, they're basically trying to reinvigorate the Czech cereal brand. Like they were like, oh, how can we be cool and hip? And so they had a half a million dollars that they could put towards this big like marketing campaign. They hired this whole team 
of people to build a video game who had never built a video game before. And they were like, okay, we're going to make a video game that is about like a hero who is made of checks, which is an interesting idea. So they basically went through and they modded the game of Doom into being about cereal. The bad guys, instead of being like, you know, giant bloody torsos on the floor, they changed them to being like in like a gooey pile, uh, like stuck to the floor. Your health meter, instead of being like in the original Doom, there's a little picture of a guy and he slowly gets like more like beat up and bloody. But in Chex Quest, he just like gets stickier and stickier. Soggy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they uh, really wanted to like make sure it was like family appropriate because it was going out to everybody. When they first pitched the game, they were like, okay, he's going to have a gun and he's going to shoot the bad guys and they'll, you know, like blow apart or whatever. But eventually they had to change it. So he has, it's more of like a, uh, like a TV remote almost. And he's just like pointing it at people. And instead of blowing up, they just kind of like get zapped into a different dimension where they came from. The bad guys are called uh, Flemoids. That's super gross. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you want associated with your brand? Like, well, phlegm? I guess. I don't know. I mean, you're blasting <laughs> the Flemoids. <laughs> even, that, even that sort of like conveys the feeling that your product somehow introduces phlegm that you need to get rid of. <laughs> yeah. I guess initially they were going to have you like blasting different breakfast foods at the phlegmoids, like bananas and milk and stuff. But the higher ups were like, oh, we can't do that because what if it like causes kids to start doing like food fights? And so they were like, we got to change it to you just like blasting them <laughs> out of existence. Right, yeah. And uh, they wanted to put this in like, I think it was like, 5.7 million boxes of uh, cereal, rice checks, wheat checks. Uh, it was all, it was free. And it was supposed to be like, you know, a decent, like the $30 game or something. And uh, they were like, but how are we going to, you know, it's going to cost a lot for us to put this all on a CD, which is when um, America Online stepped in. And they were like, hey, we'll manufacture all the CDs for Checks Quest, but you have to put a thing on there for 50 free hours of America online. Even in Australia, we got a million American online CDs delivered to our house. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And I mean, that was a thing for those of you who uh, did not grow up during that time. There was always a disc you could get for like free, you know, to, like test out America online and then they would hope that you would subscribe. So this was another ploy for that. And I guess it worked. The volume over base uh, of the brand increased 295%, even though this, uh, this campaign only ran for like a month or so. It increased 48% over the previous year, highly successful. And um, even though a lot of, you know, like actual video game outlets and stuff who covered it were like, this is like boring and for babies, like it's really bad, you know, it doesn't look good and it doesn't run well. It kind of got like this cult following, you know. 5 million copies were out there and people were trying it, so it, it went pretty well. There's two sequels, Chex Quest 2, The Flemoids Take Chextropolis, and then there was uh, Chex Quest 3, where they like revamped everything, and they revamped the first two Chex Quest, and then most recently, in 2020, in May of last year, they released uh, Chex Quest HD, which was more prominently featured on Chex Mix, and the original hero the Chex warrior was his name but they changed his name to a, a nor more normal name what do you think they named the Chex warrior jeff okay jeff what what's your guess there jam uh Chex warrior he's like the hero yeah phlegm destroyer yeah uh <laughs> steve Cl it's fred <laughs> ah. fred chexter yeah you guys were not far off you were you were right there but yeah, there's a, there's a surprisingly big fan base for this. I think a, a lot of it has to do with nostalgia. There's, uh, you know, obviously people have made their own mods. Uh, they've gone through and updated, like, you know, on different Doom engines and added in their own enemies and weapons and stuff. I might have to add some extra stuff in for a bonus episode or, or we can revisit Chex Quest because it is just, like, outrageous how popular it is. Got a rival rival mario with popularity yeah absolutely i mean i'm waiting for fred chexter to get <laughs> into smash brothers <laughs> any any minute now push you want to do yours next yeah sure 
Uh, so the one that I, one of the ones I'll be introducing today is actually two different games, but they're both called Kool Aid Man. Okay. And they were released um, for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and then also the Intellivision. But they're, like I said, they're different games. So the Atari Twenty Six Hundred version is a single screen action game, and you could make it more difficult by adjusting the switch on the console to like speed up the the enemies. But the gameplay is actually pretty simple, and it looks actually not that bad. So you're in this backyard, you're you're Kool Aid Man, hmm. and um, there's all these thirsties who are, um, you know, these these guys with straws, and they're just trying to suck up all the water. And as as Kool Aid Man, you have to kind of avoid the thirsties <laughs> and try to uh, attack them when they're starting to suck up the water. So if they're standing still and, and sucking up the water, they're vulnerable. But if they're moving around, they will bounce you back. You can also become slightly invincible by um, collecting either the W, S, or K letters. Wow. Real quick quiz. What do you think W, S, K stands for? W, S, K. Um, does the K stand for kids? Nope. Does this K stand for Kool-Aid? That's, that's right. Okay. W West West Side Kid Kool Aid. <laughs> no West no. Side Kool Aid. <laughs> we we suck Kool Aid. <laughs> All right, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to tell us. The W stands for water. The S stands for sh- sugar, oh. and then the K stands for Kool Aid. So it's all the ingredients to make the perfect Kool Aid. So if you get one of those letters, then you become invincible and you're able to kind of take down the thirsties. Uh, the game just keeps on going until um, either the time runs out and you advance to the next round or the level, or uh, if, they'll, if the water gets all sucked up by the thirsties. Mm. Wait, Kool-Aid doesn't have sugar in it? Kool-Aid has sugar in it. Yeah, people add sugar you to it. You put more sugar oh, in it. Yeah, 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 you put more sugar in it. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this game and the Intellivision game, they were originally offered, if you purchase enough Kool-Aid, you could get it, um, I think it was 125 proof of purchase. So it's like 125 packs of Kool-Aid you have to uh, buy and set in. Wow. Which is a lot. Uh, Eventually, they would actually sell them in stores. And so there's a little bit of a fan base for them. Now, the Intellivision one, that one's actually completely different. It still has the thirsties and it still has the Kool-Aid, but you're actually playing as children for half the time. And uh, the whole game takes place in a house. And it, it's actually a pretty well-designed house for the time and for the uh, Intellisystem. And you have to make your way through this house collecting the water and the sugar and, and the Kool-Aid <laughs> in order to make Kool-Aid. And then once you make Kool-Aid, then you transform into the Kool-Aid man and you're just flying through the screen trying to uh, get all the thirsties. So same enemies. Same, same type of enemies. The graphics on the Intellivision are definitely better. um, But the gameplay on Atari uh, 2600 is, is definitely the, the better game overall. Yeah. I know people say like, you know, there's that, that saying like you drank the Kool-Aid meaning like you're going along with something crazy mm-hmm. so this game like it sounds like you're like in a cult or something <laughs> like, gotta gotta get that kool-aid it's kind of a spooky uh vibe actually the television version yeah a little bit did you guys drink kool-aid as a kid uh here and there okay oh, i think they're like the kool-aid uh i don't even think they were called jammers at the time they weren't pouches they were like little squeezy things that had faces mm-hmm. i think those were kool-aid i know what you're talking about they're the plastic. Yeah, I would yeah. pretend that it was like their blood, and I'd be like, oh, "I'm drinking your blood," you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is what is Kool Aid? Is it just like sugary drink? It's like a sugar yeah. drink, sugar fruit drink, but it's a powder. Yes, m- usually, although they they do sell it like already pre concocted in little packets for you, like just to drink out of. Right. But do you know? Are you familiar with the Kool Aid Man Jam? Uh, the big jug. He goes, "Oh yeah, yeah." That's all I know about through it. the wall. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's definitely a staple in like American American kingdom. Yeah. Uh, even now. All right, Jam, you got one for us. Oh yeah. So uh, these these are. Uh, I'll start with the first game, and both the games I'm going to talk about are games that I played as a kid. The first game is it was a game that was sponsored from a UK company called McVitie's, 
Have you ever had a McVitie's chocolate digestive? <laughs> I don't. I think I have actually in Japan. I don't. I don't think I have. Like they're 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 actually pretty good. Yeah, they're they're real good. They're like a they're almost like a sort of round like Scotch star biscuit mm-hmm. dipped in chocolate. There's hobnobs as well, which are without the chocolate, and there's fig rolls. But they also have this other biscuit called a penguin biscuit, and you might. You might know Penguin Biscuit is very much a UK thing, but uh, do you guys have Tim Tams? Have you ever had Tim Tams? I have. I have not. (laughs) (laughs) Tim Tams are an Australian biscuit, but what they are is they're like a little sort of flat biscuit. Uh, And there's two of them and sandwiched in between is like this chocolate cream. And then the whole thing is covered in chocolate. But a penguin is like the original Tim Tam before Tim Tam copied it. it's uh but they were individually wrapped and on the cover of each one was a penguin doing like a different activity so some are like doing windsurfing some are ice skating that's that's important for this this game so this game is called james pond to robocod (laughs) (laughs) you're saying james pond not james bond right James Pond, yeah. And it was, um, so I was reading about the fourth generation of video games, which sounds like a Lord of the Rings thing, but it's from basically from the mid 80s. It was uh, the SNES, the Mega Drive, the PC Engine, which was also Turbo Graphics in America, and the Neo Geo. It was like that era. Mm -hmm. But in America, those, and Australia, I think as well, those consoles were like the lead ones. But in the UK, um, we still had like the Commodore, Amstrad, and Atari were sort of like leading. Uh, and the biggest console, it wasn't a console, it was like home, home computers were like a real big thing in the UK at least. So I had an Amstrad oh. CPC 464, which loaded games off tape, <laughs> but I always wanted an, an Amiga and the Amiga was like the competitor to um, the SNES and the Mega Drive. They were trying to break into lots of other markets and they didn't, they failed. They, they basically died because they couldn't make it big overseas. Like the console market was really like killing them. So this game was uh, made by a designer named Chris Sorrell, and he really wanted to make a animal mascot that was like on par with like Sonic and Mario. And like, there were a lot of animal sort of things. There was like the rocket guy. What's his name for Sega? Rocket Knight. Yeah. Rocket Knight. That's a hit. That's a I think he's a possum. Yeah. Um, they were all trying to make animals, basically. And um, he wanted to make a fish. He started off as a goldfish and he was dressed in like a cocktail, you know, uh, secret agent sort of outfit and his name was James Pond uh, so the first game <laughs> you would you would be it was like a fish game where you would swim around and you'd you'd rescue sea creatures but the second game was called Robocod and he was dressed in a metal exosuit you can kind of guess what that's going to look like <laughs> like like Robocop right Robocop yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the suit lets him stretch upwards so you can grab ledges and the game is very sort of cartoony style but it's also got pretty good graphics at the time and it came out on uh the Amiga and the Atari ST and also the Genesis uh so with the penguins they got the sponsorship from McVitie's uh and I don't know whether it's because they needed money to finish the game or they just wanted extra money but um, predominantly in the UK, this featured. Uh, so the game takes place in Santa's castle oh. where the bad guy from the first game, Dr. Maybe, has taken Santa's workers hostage. <laughs> uh, and the Santa's workers are penguins. <laughs> of course. And that's an important uh, point because okay. there are no penguins at the North Pole. Oh, right. <laughs> no mm. penguins. It's a myth. Um so the penguins in the game are actually the penguins from the McVitie's packaging. So in the same poses, there's like ice skating ones, there's the sports ones, there's, they're, they're all doing the poses, like the, the packaging. And all, it was all through the sort of the game and mostly on like the Arctic levels. Uh, it was um, very much a platform game. So even though on the front cover, James Pond's holding a gun, you don't have a gun in the game, there's no guns. <laughs> you have to jump on the enemies. And it's got like a Kirby style overworld with like doors that you go through for each world and every third or fourth stage, it's like a boss. And you can drive uh, vehicles as well. And there's like a car and there's a plane and there's also a bathtub that you drive around. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can we just briefly talk about the, the villain's name? His name is Dr. Maybe. Yeah. Like uh, what happened with that? Like they're just like, uh, <laughs> we can't figure out a good evil name. Let's just go with Dr. Maybe. Maybe it's a, is it something on Doctor Who maybe? No, no, no! It's mm-hmm. a, it's a play. It's a play on a James Bond villain whose name is Doctor No. Ah, uh, right, right, right. there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just as you as you brought it back up, I was like, yeah, that is weird. I was like, no, no, wait, it makes sense. That makes sense. Instead of being, yeah, 
He's James Pond, Doctor Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't <laughs> watched enough uh, James Bond. <laughs> so, um, is there like actual like blatant advertising for the for the the snack or the penguins in the game? Yeah, it's on the title screen and um, all through the game. It it doesn't say like penguin brand on them, but they're um, they're pretty much like the exact mascot from the game. Uh, I can't remember how much they actually advertised. They definitely didn't write like McVitie's in the thing, but uh, I think they had a couple of the penguin slogans. The slogan for penguin biscuits was P -p -p pick up a penguin. <laughs> and if you're from the UK, you will have heard that a lot. I'm from the, I grew up in the UK and that's why I'm all about penguins. Uh, but unfortunately, t Tim Tams are actually better than penguin biscuits, which is mm. a lot of my UK brethren will disagree with me <laughs> <laughs> now tim tams are the ones that kind of like stole the penguin idea yeah yeah exactly, oh, exactly. I see. <laughs> they stole it did it better yeah wow. uh this game was ported to literally everything uh it started out on the amiga atari st and sega genesis but then uh it got ported across to the game gear uh commodore 64 the master system it came out on pc and i played it on pc originally uh, it also came out on the game boy and the snes Wow. And then <laughs> it came out on Game Boy Advance and then later uh, Nintendo DS. Uh, it also came out on PlayStation 1 and then it came out on PlayStation 2 and also it's on PlayStation 3. What? Uh, and it just recently got released on the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. Yeah. And these are not HD remastered. This is the exact same game. <laughs> Oh my gosh. If you go and play it on Switch, it will be the exact same graphics as the original Amiga version. I I like uh, just I knew this game existed just barely, but I had no idea that it came to that many different consoles. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It really milking it. Yeah, definitely. They tried to do a Kickstarter to um relaunch him and uh it didn't it wasn't successful. I think they asked for too much money. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, that's James Wond. That sound means that we're putting the episode on pause just for a moment so we can briefly explain how you can support Memory Card. If you enjoy our content, you can show your support by leaving positive reviews on your podcasting service of choice. Four or five stars and a few kind words go a long way when it comes to convincing others to give the show a listen. So please do so if you find the time. Spreading the word is also super helpful. If you know anyone who's into gaming or history or maybe even both, you should consider sharing Memory Card with them. Every season, we strive to reach a wider audience, and you can help. If you're feeling extra supportive, you can head over to patreon.com memcard. Every single one of our patrons gets access to early and ad-free episodes. Higher tiers include bonus episodes, shoutouts, stickers, and more. We certainly hope you'll check it out and consider becoming one of our lovely patrons once again, that's patreon.com slash M-E-M-C-A-R-D. Oh, yeah. I put my uh, memory card sticker on my phone case. Uh, where'd you put yours? Uh, yeah, I slapped one on my laptop, and I also put one on my skateboard helmet. Wait, you got more than one? Thanks for taking the time to hear us out. Let's get back to the show. I know you can hear me. Okay, you guys ready for my second one here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, initially, I was going to do a game that was like uh, Ronald and McDonald Land or something like that. But as I was looking through McDonald's games, I found some better ones that I thought were like weirder and more fun. So, uh, the first game that we're going to talk about is uh, MC Kids. Now, MC is referring to the like Mick in McDonald's, mm. but I like to think that it's a memory card. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah, no one in this podcast, at least to my knowledge, has any children. But if they did, they would be MC kids. For a background on McDonald's, because I'm sure people out there have no idea what McDonald's is. It's a very obscure brand. Um, so McDonald's was created in uh, 1940, opened by Richard and Maurice McDonald. And then eventually in the 1950s, businessman Ray Kroc kind of joined the company and took over. If you have Netflix or depending on where you are, some other streaming platform, there's a movie called The Founder that's all about uh, Ray Kroc kind of like taking over McDonald's. It's a really good movie. You should check it out. It's like an actual acted movie, not a documentary. Currently, McDonald's serves uh, 69 million customers daily in over 100 countries. 
They are the world's second largest private employer with 1.7 million employees. Do you guys want to guess who the biggest private employer in the world is? Amazon? Nope. Coke? Coca-Cola? Nope. Oh. Walmart. Walmart? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah Walmart. 2.3 million employees they have. Wow. There is no Walmart in Australia. Yeah, I guess that would make it harder for you to take that guess. <laughs> So, uh, MC Kids is a platform game. It came out in 1992, uh, originally released for the Nintendo Entertainment System. And it stars uh, Mac and Mick, who um, are taking an adventure through this fantasy world of McDonald Land in order to return Ronald McDonald's magical bag that has been stolen by the Hamburglar. Which, I guess I never thought the Hamburglar was actually like an actual bad guy. More of like an anti-hero or something. He, he's a criminal. <laughs> i think when they first introduced him they tried making him more like a bad guy but then they're like oh he, he can be kind of like good-hearted yeah like just kind of like oh i took your stuff ha 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 kind of like a uh, grimace was originally was a bad guy yeah uh, push and i and i think we've spoken about this in the past have a weird affinity for like mcdonald's lore <laughs> especially grimace the real mcu yeah yeah the real mcu whatever happened to Betty? <laughs> i want to know what Betty's up to now yeah, she had cousins and stuff, right? And the and the Fry Guys, or what are they up to? Yeah, the Fry Guys. You know, I looked them up once, and their species is listed as goblin, like, <laughs> but goblin, like I'm gonna gobble up these fries, which I thought was really, oh, really clever. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. But there was one fry made <laughs> no, in secret. Oh well, yeah. I would say onion rings would be better, but I don't think McDonald's makes onion rings. No. Yeah, but anyway, the Hamburglar has uh, stolen Ronald's magic sack, unfortunately, oh, no. and uh, it's your job to get it back. And apparently MC Kids was created by like just four different people over the span of like eight months, which is kind of impressive. And um, it was eventually ported to a lot of those consoles that Jam just mentioned, the Commodore 64, the Amiga, the Atari ST, the uh, MS-DOS. And in Europe, it was sold as McDonald Land instead of MC Kids. Most interestingly, different versions of the game that were published for the Game Boy were also called McDonald Land, but outside of Europe, they were rethemed into being Cool Spot games. And Push talked about Cool Spot games last time. That was the a mascot for 7-Up. In this game, as you go through, there's uh, you know quite a few of the characters you guys just mentioned. Birdie's there. You get to go to her treehouse. Uh, you have to go through Grimace's loft. Apparently he has a loft. And um, there was another character that I discovered whose name is Cosmic, like C-O-S-M-C. And he is an alien who likes to steal things. And so you have to go up into space and also visit him. And the whole time you're kind of just like hopping around, collecting all these different puzzle cards. And um, when you get to the end, I, you know, I hate to spoil this for you, but I think it's important. You get to the Hamburglar and you're like, all right, buddy, like hand over that bag you stole. And he's like, I can't. It, it escaped and now it's like wreaking havoc. <laughs> so you have to go fight the magic bag itself before you can return it back to, uh, to Ronald. That's a real uh, Final Fantasy trope, right? When you get to the bad guy and they weren't really the bad guy. It's like, <laughs> now you got to fight God. <laughs> and God right. is the magic bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly like that. Yeah, I think, you know, Final Fantasy kind of kicked things off and then MC Kids mm -hmm. took it to the next level. Yeah. And ever since then, Square Enix has just been kind of copying MC Kids. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of branding in this game. Obviously, it's uh, based on the McDonald's uh, brand. You have to collect uh, little McDonald's like cards and there's golden arches that you can pick up. After this game came out, they decided that they were going to launch a uh, sequel. And there's a sequel where the original two kids, Mick and Mac, are now like officially like grown up and they're like uh, globe trotting heroes. And it's called Global Gladiators. And this game was made by uh, David Perry, was the main uh, developer and programmer on this. And he's kind of famous uh, for like 16-bit games. He worked on Disney's Aladdin. He worked on Cool Spot. He worked on Earthworm Jim. Um, and he founded Shiny Entertainment, which is like a you know pretty famous like 16-bit development uh, you know, studio there for a while. This game was a little different. The last game was more of just like, hey, explore McDonald's and all of its fun characters. 
in this game was you need to recycle and help the environment and also shop at McDonald's, I guess. <laughs> feeling guilty. They were feeling guilty. Yeah. They were <laughs> like, uh-oh, we really, <laughs> we really screwed the world up. We better, uh, we better try and fix it by making a, a video game. Was that when they switched from like polystyrene packaging over to like cardboard packaging? Probably. I mean, this was like still the early 90s. Um, so maybe this is the game that inspired that. But uh, basically, there's only four levels in this game. Um, I watched uh, someone do like a long play of it. It, it looks pretty good. You have a um, like a water gun, like a super soaker that is uh, called a goo shooter which is a great name and uh you just like shoot your goo all over all the bad guys and they explode yeah that's about it and throughout the world you can like recycle things and you have to collect uh different golden arches if you want to advance so it's kind of very similar to mc kids in that way ronald actually shows up throughout the game to to show you how to recycle correctly and stuff and um, i watched the very end of it and like all of a sudden both the kids are back in a mcdonald's sitting with ronald and they were like ronald whoa that was crazy like was that for real and he's like maybe and then it just like cuts to the credits and i was like man ronald's out here like <laughs> gaslighting kids like why couldn't he go save the world from he's like the gandalf of that universe oh That's yeah it. he's like i must yeah. uh gotta get a team together <laughs> child labor <laughs> returned to you as ronald the white <laughs> ronald the red <laughs> all right and that is uh mc kids and Global Gladiators. Push, you're up. Okay, and uh, so the next game that I'll be introducing is a game that I actually played, and I actually own it, is uh, Kaitekita Mario Bros., which is a Famicom Disk System game that was a remaster slash sponsor tie-in that Nintendo actually produced. It's, it's kind of unusual to think that Mario was like, had all this uh, commercial tie-in, but at that time, there was a lot of merchandise that was being made for Mario in Japan. Like, they had, like, the telephone cards. They had um, a stationary robot that you could win um, that was, like, Mario-themed. Huh. There was also a lot of food tie-in. And the food tie-in was all handled by a company called Nagatani-en, which is a uh, just general food company. They, they do... Um, like chahan which is like fried rice furikake um they do chazuke which is a, a dish where you pour green tea dashi and hot water into a rice and it kind of like mix it all together and then like there's also like curry and stuff like that so nintendo had all had this partnership with nagatanian hmm. and in order to kind of celebrate that they they were like okay we're gonna re-release mario bros but we're gonna do it as a commercial tie-in and so they got uh intelligent intelligent systems uh to actually make the game the game actually had two modes one was the original mario brothers and the other one was the nagatani n world and the original game the original mario bros is kind of um pretty much similar to what the original uh game is except there is a couple of enhancements and a couple of improvements one addition was being able to jump while in midair that was the first time that you could you could actually jump in air uh play Mario Bros, which I think they brought back for like the re-releases. Oh. Uh fireballs were a little bit larger. The animations for the shell creepers, like uh they're updated, so like they got shirts in this one when they were flipped over. <laughs> so Oh so so this is Mar this is Mario Bros, not Super Mario Bros. Oh yeah, yeah. I should I should spe uh, specify that. Yeah, it's Mario Bros, the classic arcade title, not the Nintendo t uh, NES title. You kept saying Mario Brothers. You didn't say Super Mario Brothers, but that's just where my mind yeah, jumped yeah. to. And then I was like, wait a minute. Mario Bros. is, uh, for, yeah, for those of you who don't know, it's a single screen game where um, you have like shell creepers and other enemies. You have to like try to um, jump under them, under them to flip them over and then like knock them out in order to clear the stage. It's uh, represented in Smash Bros. as uh, as a stage as well. Right. Uh, so the game featured a ton of uh, new enhancements over the, the original version. Uh, the sounds were improved, and there's actually some music that only exists in this version. So uh, if you're if you're really a fanatic for Mario music, please check that out. But the really cool thing was actually the Nagatanien world, 
uh, that was the second mode in the game. And in that one, you actually competed for a high score. And uh, if you got over a certain amount of points, then you could apply for into a contest, you know. And if you won that contest, you could either win Super Mario Bros. 3 or um, Mario-themed playing cards. So how would you prove that you had hit that score? Would you, like, take a picture of it, or it was just, like, a code? You'd, it would, like, display a message on screen, and then you have to take a picture and then enter with a postcard. Like, like take a photograph with an actual camera. <laughs> I, think it, I think it was with a photograph. Or it just said, like, hey, um, go meet Takahashi down under the bridge, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> at midnight. He's <laughs> <laughs> got some play cards for you. But... Uh, one thing that was kind of exclusive to this mode was that if you got a game over, you had a chance, a slot machine chance to actually try again. And so um, if you got uh, if you got a good result on your slot on the slot machine, then you could try again or you could get actual actual life or stuff like that. Is there branding like throughout this extra mode, like where there posters and stuff? So th there's actually branding throughout the entire game. Oh. The game was actually released as a discount. So normally the disc cart writer games were, were sold for 500 yen, but this one was sold for 400 yen because of the advertisements in it. Hmm. Before every game, you would see one of three ads and they were just randomly uh, picked for different uh, Nagatani and um, products. So they had the Chahan ad, they had the Furikake ad, and the Chazuke. And you just see them, it, it would play, take like about like 10 or 15 seconds before you start a round. So you're paying, you're paying less, but you're getting advertising. <laughs> yeah, you're getting lots of advertising. <laughs> that sounds familiar. But uh, it, it's it's pretty, it's a pretty interesting game. Definitely check it out if you're a, fan, a hardcore Nintendo fan. There's a lot of improvements that were made for Mario Bros. that originated from this version. Yeah, I mean, I know there's like a ton of different like Mario spinoffs and stuff out there, and different versions, especially in Japan. But I had no idea that this one existed. It's so rare that. Mario gets used with anything else. It's so precious now, you know. They wouldn't do that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't make a whole it's thing. A hot, hot commodity. All right, Jam. Hit us with your with the last game here. Okay, the last one is uh, what my girlfriend refers to as a uh, a game that you would rent from the the video shop. You wouldn't own this game, <laughs> and this is definitely <laughs> I definitely played this by like renting it. It was just one of those ones, and it's Zool. And uh, did you know that Salvador Dali made the art for this game? Like, on purpose? No. <laughs> okay. So, Zool Ninja of the Nth Dimension was released in 1992 by Gremlin Graphics. Uh, and this is another uh, UK developer. And it was released for the Amiga. And this um, was the same era as the last game, James Bond, where everyone was trying to make a mascot. Everyone was fighting to for superiority and Amiga were fighting Sega and, and Nintendo. So their marketing department hyped this up as like, Zool, he's, he's going to take on um, Sonic, basically go head to head with Sonic. <laughs> uh, and so there's this massive hype around when it got released because the, the visuals all about it. Zool running really quickly and like jumping all over the place and fast colors and, and, um, and during development to secure funding, uh, the company reached out to Chupa Chup. Um, for sponsorship and they agreed and they slapped chopper chop logos all over the place so that on the title screen when you open it up it says like proudly sponsored by chopper chop the first level is called sweet world it's got chopper chop logos that you can smash for rewards and uh throughout the game it has like chopper chop power-ups as well what wait what is chopper chop chopper chop is a um is a lollipop do you have chopper chops in america is that a big thing over there i don't think so no. It, so it, I, I might be pronouncing it wrong, but in Australia, everyone calls them chopper chops because that's <laughs> just absolutely wrecking the pronunciation. That's what Australians do. <laughs> but it, it comes from the Spanish word chupa, which means to suck. Oh, <laughs> um, and, <laughs> yeah. oh um, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I we do have these here, but they're not like super popular. At least they've never been wherever I've lived. They're really popular in Australia. I think around the nineties, especially like stuff like this, I guess really pushed the sort of they they Chopper Chop did like a ton of marketing through the nineties and it hit Australia hard and we have them every we still have them everywhere. But uh 
the uh, it's quite an old company, and the logo was designed by Salvador Dali. Oh, and that's why Salvador Dali art is in Zool, <laughs> <laughs> which is yeah, real crazy. It was the first Amiga game to receive really heavy sponsorship, and um, yeah, I like I went back to play it again because I I sort of remember it from a kid, but you have those the memories and they don't match what it's like anymore. And definitely compared to Sonic, it's not as good. It's like super hectic. There's lots of dying. There's lots of enemies. It's kind of unfair, you know. Stuff pops out and just like damages you. Um, but the the game is like a really fast platformer. Zul is an alien who crash lands on Earth and must conquer six realms to earn the title of Ninja of the Nth Dimension. Wow. <laughs> it's great, <laughs> and it's a really fast side-scrolling sort of uh, shooter. Lots of jumping, lots of wall climbing, and bouncing off things and um, enemies that pop out and kill you. Uh, and like James Pond was ported after it came out on Amiga, it was ported to um, Mega Drive and SNES, uh, and also Atari ST, Game Boy, Master System, Game Gear, and there was even an arcade game for it. Wow, what does uh, what does Zool look like? I know you said he's like a ninja, but what does he actually look like? Basically, like a little green ant with a ninja costume. So it's got a little uh, sort of. Uh, headband thing that's wrapped around has a very distinctive look. They they kept saying he's not Nant, <laughs> he's not Nant, but he looks like it, <laughs> basically. He's a bug. <laughs> yeah, but it it was it wasn't a flop. It was just like a pretty alright game, and it wasn't Sonic. And so uh, yeah, it kind of didn't really make the big impact that it was hyped up to have. Were there any other Zool games? So there was a Zool 2, uh, also released on Amiga, and it only came out a few years afterwards, and Zool had a companion who was a girl, who was also a ninja. Uh, and they were, they were challenging Sonic, but you can't challenge Sonic. You can't, you can't. <laughs> even, even today, yeah. <laughs> yeah, even today. There's no such thing as a bad Sonic game, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, all, they're all amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll do it. Uh, I mean, this episode's already going to be one of our longer ones, even with us uh, each just doing two. That that took a, a good amount of time. So now, hopefully, people are you know they they understand the background on some of these uh, famous brands and maybe some less famous ones, and they can seek out these uh, fantastic games that we've talked about. <laughs> Honestly, out of all the ones that were uh, gone over, I feel like the one that I want to play the most is the the Mario Brothers with the with the advertising. What about you, Jam? Is there a game that you really feel like is uh, one that you'd want to try? I reckon MC Kids, only because I, I really want to deep dive into that McDonald's law now. I want to know what, <laughs> what they're up to. <laughs> what are they, where are they now? <laughs> even Push even with... Ronald has gone. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't showed up in a lot of things lately. I think for Ronald, I think they, they stopped using him because of the, the creepy clown sightings in America. And so they're like, oh, we... We can't use him right now because it's like oh. not good, not good for our brand. I, I, if I had to guess, I don't know anything. I'm not part of McDonald's. Remember, remember when clowns were the biggest issue? Yeah, face. things are so simpler. I forgot to mention this during the uh, MC Kids bit there, but um, and Push probably knows this. In Japan, Ronald McDonald is Donald McDonald. Instead, he's not Ronald because I think there's some pronunciation issues with the r and ronald yeah it's it's hard to say all right push uh which game do you think i really like to i really like to play zool too i'm actually watching gameplay of it right now and it looks pretty fun <laughs> he's already he's already zoned out he's he's done with this this episode <laughs> you definitely got to get good at zool i i i tried playing it for a while uh and i don't think i ever really got super far in it it's just like it'll make you yell at screen it looks so hard it looks like a game that there's like one guy out there who's really good at it and he does like awesome games <laughs> done quick, like can beat it in five minutes or something. I think play it on a system with lots of buttons because Mega Drive uh, Genesis only has three buttons and it's harder to do like the special moves like flips and like little combos you can do. Mm. Um, and when I played it on, with the SNES controller with more buttons, it was easier. That's a good uh, pro tip from Jamatar here. <laughs> well, hey, Jam, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, on our first episode of season six, uh, we might have to make this like a thing where you uh, just pop in every now and then. Yeah, anytime. Is there anything that you'd like to promote? Uh, yeah, I, I've got a Twitch stream that I'm doing, uh, and it's usually every fortnight. I'll do a little stream of playing a game or uh, writing some music or something like that, and I'm going to get back into it this year. It's uh, twitch.tv slash music. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, as usual... 
as we say at the end of every episode uh, during the credits, you know, you can find more of Jam's stuff, jamatar.com or on Spotify. He's got all of his uh, awesome tunes out there. And um, I think he's going to get back into the mix here soon. Mix up some fresh uh, MC Kids remixes. Yeah, get some get some inspiration. <laughs> the original <laughs> MCs. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Our intro and outro music was crafted by talented chiptune composer Jamatar. You can find more of his banging beats by searching Jamatar, that's J-A-M-A-T-A-R, on Spotify or visiting jamatar.com. If you have any feedback on the podcast or would like to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, at MemCardShow. Or you can visit our website, MemoryCardShow.com. If you'd like to follow Ben and I, we can be found at SuperBenTendo and at PushDustin, respectively. Have you considered supporting Memory Card on Patreon? If not, we hope you will. Currently, we're supported by quite a few awesome people, all of which get access to early, ad-free episodes. These people include Jackson Bertoli, Taylor Bias, Cody Sam, Michael Strickland, Tyler Davis, Courtney Cotton, Harrison, Jorge Bajija, Manuel Vitella, Ray Schneider, and Shala. All of our Patreon info can be found on the support section of our website or on patreon.com slash memcard. We'll be back really soon with some more gaming history goodness, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you soon.